Yo, yo, yo. What's up, everybody? Thanks for being here. This is episode 124 of the podcast. Hey, when I started this podcast just a little bit over a year ago, I just didn't know where it was going to go. And uh, that's probably like one of the coolest things about just starting things. You don't need to know exactly where it's going to go. You need to start it and get started and put the information and put the ideas and put the energy out there and you'll see where it goes. This podcast started as just me interviewing principals and then I decided, you know what, I want to be a little bit more open, a little bit more broad. So now it's everybody. It's superintendents, it's principals, assistant superintendents, teachers, you name it. I've had a school resource officer on here as well too. So hey, if you're not subscribed, most people listen on iTunes, Apple, please subscribe or Spotify, leave a review, write a rating. It just helps get the podcast out there. Share it with a friend. I've had hours and hours and hours and hours of conversations with just so many educators around the country. If you listen to an episode that you really enjoyed and you wanted to share it with a friend or a colleague, or just send the person that I interviewed a note, I always put their social media contact information in the show notes, send them a note and tell them that you enjoyed the conversation or maybe just something that resonated with uh, with you that they said, that would be uh, that'd be awesome. I'd appreciate it. And I know my guests would as well. Today, I have Glenn Robbins, superintendent and principal in New Jersey, pretty unique position. There are principal superintendents out there. I would say it's kind of a rare job. Actually, a good friend of mine is a principal superintendent. I need to have her on the show to talk about her job. So they're the superintendent and they're the principal. Glenn is amazing, absolutely doing amazing things. After the conversation, I was just feeling stoked and energized about education, and I hope that you feel the same way. Glenn Robbins, hey, enjoy our conversation. Thank you for being here. One more super quick note, Zoom dumped out on us twice where I froze and then Glenn froze. So I did my very best to kind of patch patch the pauses and where it left off and everything else. So um, I guess there was an update that I hadn't done. I don't know if that was it or if it was just Zoom or me in California and Glenn in New Jersey, but uh, I did my best. There's a couple little glitches. Um, so please uh, just uh, just know that. And again, enjoy the conversation. Glenn Robbins, welcome to the podcast, my friend. Hey, thanks, Adam, for letting me be here. Oh, my, I'm stoked, man. You and I have been connected on Twitter for years and years and years, and uh, you've been on my list to have on the podcast. Super excited to talk. If you don't know Glenn, go to Twitter right now. Glenn, two N's, and then the letter R, and then 1809. Glenn R, 1809. I'm going to link it in the show notes as well. Glenn is super active on Twitter, just sharing, connecting, uh, a lot of stuff that I dig as a human being and as an educator. So super happy to and excited to dig in. Glenn, for the few people out there that don't know who you are, introduce yourself, tell us who you are, what you do, and we'll go from there. So thank you for the kind opening. I appreciate it. Um, Glenn Robbins, I am located in Brigantine, New Jersey. We are a, a small barrier island. If you're familiar with Atlantic City, uh, we are right next to Atlantic City, New Jersey. So such an awesome place to be. I work in a pre-K to eight building, roughly about just under 500 students uh, that we call scholars here. And, um, you know, the awesome part about this is we get to tie in going to the beach. We get to tie in a small community. We get to tie in a place that most people want to go to. And we try to have fun each and every day. So in my previous 
uh, adventure before I got to where I am now. I was a teacher, a soccer coach, assistant principal, summer school principal, principal, superintendent for a bunch of years. Now I'm also superintendent and principal. So when I explain it to the kids and they ask what a superintendent is, especially for little guys, so they don't know what that is. They just call me super principal. So <laughs> it kind of works out that way. So that's where I'm at right now. Yeah. Also a superintendent mentor, also national digital principal of the year previously. I'm going to throw that in because yep. Glenn's the kind of person that wouldn't bring that up about himself. I got to know, do you get any kind of money from the casinos? I mean, is there any kind of any kind of thing that like where you get like tax money or do they make donations to the schools? Uh, no, that goes, goes through Jersey and that would be Atlantic City because we're not part of affiliated with Atlantic City. But like you and me and many other people, when you go to a casino, you're usually giving the money to them. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't sure if they were philanthropic <laughs> at all. A friend of mine is a principal not too far from where I live and they have a big Budweiser factory there. And I was like, do you get Oh, never mind. You probably don't want to be getting donations from Budweiser. <laughs> we'll take donations just from the right from the right people. So one thing that really caught my eye about you, Glenn, going through your social media is you share a lot of stuff um, from Ryan Holiday and the Daily Stoic. And if you don't know who Ryan Holiday is, he's written a bunch of books. Ego is the Enemy, Stoicism, Courage is Calling. There's a whole bunch of other ones. He's got a great podcast, daily podcast, great YouTube channel. Where did your interest in that stoicism or kind of mindfulness come from? And then what does it do for you as a leader, as a human being, kind of on a daily basis? I'm curious. That's a great question. So when I did my undergrad work, um, I was a dual major. I was a history major and education. So the history part is really what started to capture a lot of that question that you just asked. And you know, as I continue to grow and rise up and work in different organizations, work with different people, you know, I just remember talking with an older fellow one day and just, just don't sweat the small stuff, man. This has all happened a bunch of times before. And it just kept resonating with me. Like, all right, how did they deal with, you know, un uneasiness? How did they deal with, you know, such and such of a people or wars or, you know, recently a pandemic? And when you start digging and diving into that, um, it puts life in a lot more of a perspective for you. And like you being on social media all these years ago, I picked up Ryan's book, you know, Obstacles Away when it first came out. Um, you know, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. I like the Marcus Aurelius quotes. I'm a real big on the, on the Roman history. And from there, it just really resonated. And that's been my number one recommended book to anybody that's getting into education or leadership. I recommend a lot of his books. And then I shifted over to Robert Greene. Um, but, you know, think about the last two years with the pandemic. And I kind of tied it in with my staff and with our community because we're on a beach community. And the one quote that really resonated to me is, you know, Marcus Aurelius is uh, to be like a rock and the, the waves keep crashing over and it stands unmoved and raging of the sea falls and still around it. Think about that for a second. You as a leader and you have all these waves crashing on you during the pandemic or even before that, you know, whatever it may be in that pendulum that swings every couple of years of wacky things that happen in education. You got to be able to stand there. You got to be able to take it. And yeah, you do develop thick skin, but at the same time, everything's happening for that reason. And it, it kind of ties into uh, Nuche and, and some of his work where it talks about Amore Fate, you know, which is accept fate for how it is and continue to deal with it. And I guess an easier way is, you know, play with the cards you're dealt. 
You know, you're never going to get a perfect world. You're never going to get a perfect anything. It doesn't say that life is easy on your birth certificate when you're born. <laughs> and, you know, so, so those readings um, and conversations with other leaders and so forth about that put things in such a bigger perspective. And, you know, from a, from a global standpoint, from an organizational standpoint, from a human aspect of motion, logic, and so forth. So that's why it really resonates with me. And I highly recommend anybody else in leadership to get involved with that. Yeah, a hundred percent. I just, I got onto Ryan a couple of years ago. And if you, if you have no idea what Glenn and I are talking about, go to Twitter and just follow Ryan Holiday. Uh, he lives in Texas. He actually has a, a bookstore called The Painted Porch in Texas. He has a great podcast called The Daily Stoic. And I'm with you. So much of it is just perspective and how we approach and how we react to what's happening in front of us. And if you can't control it, then don't worry about it. It's uh, it's really that simple. And I just realized talking about being connected in Twitter, you It's being weird this so, morning too, one of my BAs. But you got to the it? point where you're staring at me for like this for like the whole five <laughs> minutes. Saying, yeah, I don't know about Twitter, but that's where you left off. So you and I, yeah, we're just going to, hey, this is real life, everybody, like recording <laughs> from somebody in California and New Jersey. You and I joined Twitter the same exact month, the same exact year, June 2010. We've been on this journey for 12 years, which feels like a long time, but it's, uh, it's so worth it. So Glenn, I'm curious. I feel how I've experienced it for 15 years in public education, that the hiring process just has a lot to be desired. What do you look for when hiring? What, what's your process just from a simple standpoint and just to get in any other details um, for hiring? That's a great question. I think it's a question that needs to be evaluated by many, many others. Um, I usually tell people when they come into the room with me, by the time they get to that table, I've already researched them. I've already Googled them. And they're in that chair for a reason. And I don't bring many people in for interviews because you know if I see things or that are not innovative or not, you know, progressive and or not in any particular way, someone taking the profession as serious as it can be, that's a concern of mine. And, you know, you and I were talking about before the, uh, the clip started about like, you know, you have 15 questions in 30 minutes. Uh, if you're still doing that, you need to reevaluate that. Uh, something I think people don't realize too is they're, most of the time they're in such a rush to just hire somebody. And they don't realize that now they're now making an investment into this person, into all the lives of these kids, into the community that, you know, I know that people don't always stay and they can, or they can stay forever. But are you hiring the right people? Uh, one of the books that I love and talking about books is Talent War. I'm not sure if you've ever read that, you know, so talking about the Navy SEALs and how they go about building their team to be truly successful. So I try to model a lot of that off of that because I'm trying to hire the right person with the right attitude. I can teach skill, I can teach knowledge, I can teach all of that, but if you have the right attitude and you're gonna uplift my players in this district, in this community, that's what we're gonna do. And I bring in teachers on my interviews, I have kids on my interviews, I have fellow admins on the interviews because I wanna hear what they have to say. You know, And let's be honest, when you have a kid in on the interview, <laughs> they'll tell you straight up, they like the person that they don't. And when you have fellow A-list players on the interview, such as staff, they know what you're looking for too. And they feel part of it and becomes much more of a cohesive unit. So I think, like I said, a lot of times it's a rush. Let's go through the process. 
make your notes on your pieces of paper that you probably won't ever look at again. Pretend that you're busy as you're writing. It, you know, don't look at the candidate. Like have an engaged conversation. Go into depth and find out who they truly are and then take it a step further. Now, I'll be honest with you. I just hired a new curriculum instruction person. Um, had a big round table for the first interview. Second interview, I narrowed it down to three people. And I did it like the old, one of the CEOs I read about. I said, all right, next interview is at a diner. And for those, you know, diners are very big in New Jersey. It's a restaurant. And I told the waitress <laughs> beforehand and the, and the general manager, screw up every order that comes out for these people. I want to see how they react. And I'll tell you what, we got some really unique reactions. And I got some, okay, that's fine. I'll just live with it and keep moving forward. And I had, you know, a board member with me, I had a, my administrators with me, I had a teacher with me, and they thought I was crazy. And I said, look, here's the thing. I want to see how they react to a waiter or a waitress. How are they going to treat this person? Are they going to be, you know, totally obnoxious like much of the world is right now? Or are they going to be kind, compassionate, and understanding and say, hey, you know, I didn't order this, but I'll eat it anyway, or, you know, something of a conversation. And like I said, I saw both sides of that spectrum. And I think that helped people realize, too, you're not just looking for the best knowledgeable person. You're looking for the person that can adapt with other people and can adjust and be flexible when needed. So I'm not gonna lie, it was fun. Um, and I did tell them afterwards that we did mess up their orders. And, and obviously the waiter got a very good tip afterwards. So, <laughs> uh, but you know, things like that, that to truly see who these people are and then making the phone calls ahead of time. Like, you know, somebody, hey, you know, is this person really as good as they, they say or he or she says they are? Um, so. Like I said, I think it has to do a lot of what's your goal in 5, 10, 15 years from now? What's your goal that your organization is going to look like? I'm not going to be here forever. I'll retire one day. And my goal is to make this place better than it was when I got here. And how is that organization going to keep living and breathing? Because it's always changing. It's always doing that. So those are just some of the things I look into in the hiring practice. Yeah, no, I love that. And I actually love that book, The Talent War. I found out about that because those guys were on the Jocko podcast, which is- yep another great podcast. Um, I forget the authors, but go back and look at the Jocko podcast. They had a great conversation. Bringing people into the community and putting them in situations, Glenn, is so important because so often, like you said, you have them in a room at a round table or a kidney table, and those environments are so sterile. They're not real life. It's like when I've interviewed for principal jobs over the year, over the years, they give you a writing, uh, a writing prompt, and then write. You have thirty minutes to introduce yourself, which I always thought was. I think I think that that approach, having people write something, is okay. But when I actually get the job and I'm going to sit down and introduce myself to the community, I'm not going to do that in 30 minutes. I'm going to do that over a week in the summer before I put myself out there. So give people yeah. a real life prompt. Like you just had fire trucks and police officers at your school. The bell rings in 30 minutes. You have to write a quick two paragraph summary to send out to communication because kids are going to be going home like the police and the fire were here. And it's just not real life. We got to put people yeah. in these situations. Okay. Hey, super quick interruption. You know, I've actually calculated it's about 65 hours of podcast time on this podcast, the school district, and uh, which I totally enjoy the conversations that I have with people that I know and the people that I don't know from around the country. But if you're looking for a way just to support the podcast, I've written four books, Kids Deserve It, Run Like a Pirate, 
empower our girls and teachers deserve it. You can get them on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, pretty much anywhere you order books. If you want a signed copy, just uh, send me a note and uh, we can figure out a little Venmo transaction to get you a book. Or hey, if you're having an ed camp, I have been donating books for years. I've donated over a thousand books in the last six years since my first book came out to just ed camps and just educators across the country. So uh, hey, hit me up. And also if you're looking for a speaker, professional development that has just has a lot of enthusiasm, can inspire, motivate teachers and classified staff and administration and leadership, just to kind of really give you the I can do this feeling and attitude with some new ideas, hit me up. This is what I do uh, full time over 325 ish events over the last five years. I think I'm at like 37 states and I would love to work with you. So uh, hit me up, um, you know, my, my end of June, July, August, September is booking, but I also have quite a few openings and I would, uh, I'd love to work with you. You can uh, email me adamwelcome at gmail.com or just go to my website, mradamwelcome.com backslash speaking, just to kind of see more of what I can offer, some videos and keynote topics and breakout sessions, ed tech conferences, state principal conferences. I think I've keynoted like 15 state principal conference. Love the work I get to do. I still feel like I'm a teacher. I just have different students and I would uh, love to work with you. All right, now back to my conversation with Glenn Robbins. Okay, so you hire people, you're the leader of a team. How do you move people forward that don't want to move forward? That's a really good question. Um, you know, I think you, it goes back to, I'm very big on design thinking, been that way for years and years. I think it goes to empathy. You know, you have some of the most amazing rock star teachers that might be veterans and or known that are just burnt out or they had a bad boss beforehand and or were mentally destroyed and have PTSD. We have a lot of staff members where I've encountered all over the country that have that. And so I'd love to do this, but my boss would say no way. Um, you know, I think it's just a conversation with everybody and saying, all right, look, here's where we are. Can you fill me in more? Why don't we do such things? Or you know, if you were a part of this process and in the, in the committees, we call it, or design charrettes, as we call them here, how would you design it differently? What would you do to advance us forward? You know, and giving everyone a voice. And once again, getting the kids involved, because ultimately these kids are our number one stakeholders. And I know you hear that all the time. You wrote several books on that. You do your blogs on that. But I think it's still, unfortunately, something that people don't weigh heavily on. They just say, this is the way I went to school, this way I'm gonna to be told, and this is how it's gonna happen. All right, so with design charrettes, you know, getting everybody involved. I brought in a really good friend of mine, a vendor that I use for several different schools, David Jakes. And David has a great way of sitting down with everybody and working through the process, working through, you know, how might we design something, you know, and this is what we've had before, this is where we can go now. And it's also pushing back on some tough questions. You know, you gotta get into the meat and bone of it instead of just allowing and abiding by all these ghost rules. Um, you know, it's something Todd Henry talks about, these ghost rules, like, well, why don't we do that? Well, we tried it 30 years ago and it didn't work. Well, what happened when you tried 30 years ago? I don't know, but we just don't do it. And, and, and or it's like, there's a painting on the wall. Well, why is it there? And, and one of my districts, you know, everybody's like, oh, it's a, it's a sacred painting. We can't get rid of it. It's, you know, kids designed it. I had and pushed everybody to find the research on why this thing was up there. It was what the architectural design and the engineers put up there when they built the building. It had no significant meaning whatsoever. 
you know, so it's getting to that process of why are things the way they are? And hey, as a parent, why, how would you want your kid to be successful? You know, and as a leader, you could say, all right, here are some really great schools. Here's some really great businesses. This is what they're looking for in the world economic forum. This is what they're looking for, for the future world leaders that we have. How are we getting to that? You know, how are we doing professional development for our staff? How are we doing that for our students? Does our schedule look aligned to what we want to do? Do our building align to what we want to do? Does any of that align to what we want to do? So I guess the biggest thing is just getting the people involved, you know, and, and making them have a voice again and making them feel trusted and respected and freedom and autonomy and that psychological safety that they, they can have a conversation. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, you and I have talked about this before. Some people you can't have those honest conversations with. Mm-hmm. And if you can't have those conversations, you're never going to make a change that, that you hope yeah. to change, you know, a yeah. successful change. Yeah, no, agreed, agreed. So thinking about the world and the world that we're living in, I know you got some esports going on in your district. Talk about esports. I think esports is one of the most undervalued or underutilized kind of ideas that's not happening enough in schools um, from multiple different standpoints. Just, I mean, hey, because it's a job in 2022, it's a huge industry, but also as a way to simply build relationships with kids that maybe are challenging to build relationships with, but they love video games and esports. So what are you all doing? What is it like? What's the impact? Yeah, so we, in the mix of the pandemic, um, you know, we started two clubs. We started a surf team on the island. We're on an island. Who doesn't have a surf team? So we have a surf team for grade <laughs> fourth to eighth grade. And the, the kids love that. But then the esports, think about that. When the world shut down, we had to stay home. You know, there was no way to communicate out on the streets. And what was going on? Kids were playing video games and communicating that way. So like we were doing at Zoom, but they were doing it a lot more fun. You know, they weren't in meetings, they were actually playing. So I went to our board and said, hey, look, here's all the great implications that can come out of this. You know, we can go into marketing, we can go into broadcasting, we can go into gaming, we can go into CTE, you know, where the kids are gonna have to take apart the computers to put new video cards in next year. So you're not just replacing the whole, you know, tower, they can replace one or two pieces. Let's get them the software and the hardware expertise all combined. And let's make an arena. Let's not just go old school computer lab and put like a poster up and say it's our it's our esports arena. Let's make it such an awesome experience. When they cross that threshold into the, into the arena, it's theirs and people can watch. So we redesigned our whole entire old computer lab, got all that furniture out. The kids picked the tables. The kids picked the chairs. They picked the logo. They wanted to be the Megalodon. Now, mind you, we are the Brigantine Buccaneers, but you know what, we're at the beach. And if you play video games, you know, kids have avatars. You know? So I said, you know what, you guys can be the mags because that is your avatar for Brigantine. And they created, you know, they, they named their esports arena, the abyss, you know, because they figure whoever comes into their arena is gonna get sunken down to the abyss <laughs> and they're not coming back up. And I was like, here's this fourth to eighth grade kids talking about this. This is how excited they are about that. So we're in the process. We're almost done putting it together. We're waiting on one more service switch to come out. We finally got our monitors. That's been a process, unfortunately, uh, because of the world, the chain supply, getting materials in and out. Um, repainted the room. I can't wait to showcase it with everybody. But the best part is these kids have been gaming for the last year and a half, virtually, with a coach that we have. And they've been walking and talking with so many different ones. They just had their uniforms handed out to them, which the kids, an eighth grader, designed the entire uniform, went to the coach and said, here's the vendor we need to order from. And we did that. All these kids have uniforms now. 
And the best part of that is, is the team itself, the inclusivity of these kids. These kids, they're not, some are the, there's a couple of great athletes on the team. And then there's not, you know, and then there's kids that are, are various circumstances all coming together and they could care less who they are or what they are because they're the megalodons. And they finally have a platform where they can talk to other kids, regardless of the grade level, and play against others. And we just played our first game yesterday. We were super stoked. You know, I didn't know what was going to happen. I'm watching on the, my son's screen to see how it goes because he's part of the team too. And they won 5-0. They played best of five and they won five. And, you know, so, you know, to see the excitement, to hear their teammates talking about it afterwards and then breaking it down. Like, okay, guys, we did this. How are we going to practice on this going forward? All right, when we go forward, who's going to be the commentator when we start a Twitch channel? Who's going to be doing the marketing? Who's going to be reaching out to businesses? All those little things that are going to tie into it. And then it's also, you know, I know other kids are going to start to see it more when the arena opens up and they just announced it on our BCC news network that we brought back this year, our YouTube channel. So that'll be announced tomorrow for all the kids to hear that they won. But getting these kids an opportunity in a space to feel accepted, and that something's awesome. And by the way, if you pay attention to esports, you know that the Super Bowl by itself beats everything. But when you take Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, hockey, and every other sport you can think of versus the esports championship on TV, the esports championship blows it out of the water on spectators. Not to mention when you got a 13, 14 year old a couple of years ago winning a Fortnite championship of 14, you know, some of millions of dollars. You know, if parents went from, don't play on the video game, go outside to please play in the video game more, you know, and now you're starting to see universities that have these esports championships and have these esports teams. Uh, we teamed up with two awesome things. We teamed up and I had the, uh, our, our local college near us is Richard Stockton University. They have an esports team. They spoke for our kids. A buddy of ours, a mutual friend, I don't know if you, I think you know, I'm Steve Isaacs. He works for Epic Games. Steve talks to the kids. So these kids have connections that they don't even realize how great of connections they are, that something might come out of it. So uh, I'm super excited about the esports because like I said, it just gonna give so much more energy to kids that never had a chance to get the energy before. So yeah, there is nothing I can add to what Glenn just said. As he was talking, I'm like, okay, this, and then Glenn talks about the college and talks about, hey, it's a job in 2022. And hey, it, it includes all kids. And if you're feeling like, oh my gosh, where Glenn is, I couldn't be there. Yes, you can. Just just take one step and and just start down the path of getting kids together, having them talk about video games, having them play video games. Go to Edutopia and type in esports. There's going to be videos. There's going to be articles on how to get started. Um, I just can't say enough. And you just said it all, Glenn. I'm just going to replay that for people. I'm going to clip that. If you don't know why you want to do esports, listen to what Glenn said. Uh, so speaking of that, I feel like we're really good at bringing things into education. And this kind of goes back to what we talked about a little bit earlier about why things are done the way they're done. But I feel we're not so great at getting rid of old practices, kind of old ideas, old ways to do things. It's like our house and we've lived in this house. Like I have some neighbors that have been in their house for almost 50 years and I love my neighbors and they don't listen to this podcast, so they're not going to hear it, but they have so much stuff and they have a garage and they have like three sheds and an attic and closets. How do you, how do we clean house? How can we improve on getting rid of the old practices and the old curriculum and the old ideas? So we do have time to do things like 
esports and podcasting and creating video content? What are some ideas you have around that? I think it's just giving people opportunity to see that. Educators are guilty of visiting two schools, the one that they work at and the one they drop their kid at. You know, so let's be honest. Like there's, there's, you know, the geeky guys like us who've been on Twitter since 2010. And there are some who are like, what's that? And just getting onto it. You know, um, I just had recently did a post observation with one of my staff members, younger, first year hire. And I said, you know, what do you do for advancing your career? What do you do to advance your professionalism? And she started laughing, got a little red and said, I'm kind of embarrassed to talk about it. I'm like, well, feel free to share. She goes, well, I like watching TikTok videos that the teachers put out there. I'm like, there you go. That is your forte now. You're going to go on there and see what you like, what you don't like, and how you can bring it to our school and make it better. You know, so I think it's just giving them an opportunity to see other opportunities. You know, this past week, I sent out my curriculum instructor um, to Ohio to visit two amazing districts. I know you just interviewed Marlon, uh, went to visit Marlon's district and Matt Miller, two friends of mine for years. And I said, go see their schools, check them out, come back. I want you to talk about it. You know, I have other friends, you know, we're talking about furniture revampments and so forth here, what kids are sitting on. I had kids sitting in a room with me for over an hour, going through magazines, what they liked and what they didn't like. And then I went back to my team and said, here's what they like. We brought in a couple of vendors. They're designing that now. And then, you know, I reach out to my friends and say, hey, do you guys have any videos or pictures of your schools? And they send me that. And I send it out on email and saying, hey, how might we? And it just gets people excited. The, the leadership is about enthusiasm. It's about energy. It's about boosting people up and saying, how might we do something? You know, we can't always say yes. I don't have all the money in the world. We're a small district. We keep losing state aid funding. We don't gain state aid funding. But we try to find ways to be able to spend more wisely. And, you know, at the same time, if, you know, your kid went to school here, wouldn't you want the best for them? Wouldn't you want something totally different? And to your point about the old systems, you know, like, why is the schedule the way it is? Why do we do PD the way it is? Why do we do everything the way it is? And because comfort is so much easier. And I think that's the part that people say I do get a little dangerous at times because I like to push the status quo. I do like to push back. Maybe that's the Jersey guy in me. But at the same time, I know that to your quote, kid deserve it, right? Like everybody deserves a great place. When you got staff members working eight, nine, 10, 11 hours, 12 hours here a day, they deserve the best possible place to work at. Why can't we? So instead of taking the old computer monitor and taking out the screen and just putting an iPad in the front of it to make it look like it's new, because that's what you just did. You added something new. Get rid of that whole monitor itself and now just use the iPad. We use the Chromebook in itself. And that's the type of thinking that we have to instill. But it also goes back to, can you have those conversations with your staff? Can you have those conversations with your kids? Can you have it with your board members? Can you have it with your committee members? If you can't have those conversations, you're not gonna be able to make those changes. And I know depending on where you are, I talk to some friends that are in such prestigious districts and they say, we can't change it because that's tradition, that's the way it's supposed to be. And we wish we could do that. But at the same time, you could make little changes. You know, Rome wasn't built in the day. You know, I say it all the time. I've taken a little chisel and just taken away every single day because if I can be 1% better each day, it'll make the school better. So yeah. it's, it's not an easy change, my friend. And you know that from your position, from years past and so forth. And the world itself, you wish people would, would think of logically, but sometimes and most of the times emotion gets in the way. This is the way it was. I went to school here. I don't want to change anything. And 
you know, the library is the way it should be. And I go, well, the hospital the same we went to school back in the day? You want to change the hospital? You want to change all this other stuff? So it's putting that in the mindset and having those conversations to try to figure out how and why and where we can go. But you got to be ambitious in a way as a leader to say, I want to take you there. Because too many times people just get too comfortable. I'm good with my job. I like my salary. You know, the kids got a great education. We don't need anything else. We don't need to enhance the learning experience. We don't need to enhance the culture. We're just good with what we have. Yeah. And that, as a parent educator, that's frustrating. There is no growth in the comfort zone. If you want to grow, you got to make yourself uncomfortable. You got to push the conversation and make other people uncomfortable. And if you're wondering how Glenn knows the people that I know, the people that I know know Glenn, like Marlon, Matt Miller is a very old friend of mine. They live in different states. You got to get connected. Be sure to follow Glenn, Glenn R1809. Glenn, if you had three wishes for education, what would they be? Wow. That's <laughs> I would love funding for all districts to be able to have, you know, some amazing things. Um, you know, I think, you know, what I've seen the last year, I would say kindness and compassion, but I've seen some of the teachers rise up to do the most amazing lessons I've ever seen them do. They've, you know, administrators too. So I, I think my wish is that we keep going forward and don't rush back to 2019. We did some amazing things. Take every silver lining out of this and keep growing. Because unfortunately, we're starting to see that pendulum go backwards. And I, and I think ultimately, I think, you know, if we could make, you know, the politicians realize what's going on in the actual schools and understand that, you know, besides the funding, like I mentioned, and besides the heroic work that these individuals have done this past year, is that you know standardized testing mandates and all these other things are not helping social emotional learning. So stop talking about I'm helping social emotional learning from a state standpoint when all you're doing is adding more chaos, more headache, and more stress to a time of need more than ever before. You know, so if you really want to do something substantial, focus on that. Focus on why there is such a rise in anxiety. Focus on why there is such a rise on depression. And how are we going to help everybody get through this? Because I'm telling you right now, it's not going to be testing. It's not going to be adding extra mandates on them. It's not going to be doing your views on a school district from three or four years ago instead of, hey, wow, you did an amazing job during a pandemic. While you were in school every day working, we were at home on the couch. That's a frustration that I have. So those are the three things that I'd like. And I know I kind of spiral into a bunch of them there but i could you could you i could go for a while but just understanding you need the funding you need to understand the amazing work these people are doing and focus on social emotional learning the mental health itself for not just the kids but for the educators for the parents you know i say it all the time people need the world needs another mr rogers right now for everybody to just watch and listen and just take a deep breath and you know go wow all right we can get through this we'll keep growing great things can happen instead of rushing backwards. So, yeah, no, I, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. And I ask you that question and I'm like, Oh gosh, do I have an hour and a half to, to hear what Glenn's <laughs> ideas are? Cause we could probably talk about the three wishes for an hour and a half. And I would go back to the other question is we're good at bringing things in, but we need to get better at getting rid of old practices. So we can focus more on social, emotional and new technologies and ideas and equity and all these other things that we should be talking about in this world that we're living in because it is a new economy with new jobs and new opportunities. And like, to your point, and I talk about this all the time, you don't go to the doctor. It doesn't look the same from 1980 
you know, the rooms look different, the medicine's different. Uh, we have to be able to move forward and progress for our kids. Uh, not the world that we grew up in, the world that that they're growing up in uh, is too important. Glenn, I've had so much fun talking, man. I, we could podcast for like two <laughs> hours. I'm going to have to have you on maybe in the summer when we have more time. I know you're busy as a principal superintendent, superintendent mentor, national digital principal of the year. Glenn, two N's and then the letter R, 1809. Do yourself a favor, follow, connect with Glenn, uh, reach out to him, see what he's doing personally and at his school. I know I've learned a lot. I've learned a lot even more today. Thanks for all you do, my friend. Everybody listening, thanks for all you do. And I hope that you have an absolutely amazing day.